Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to an emergency edition of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm Josh Nelson, and it is Sunday, December 22nd, 2019. With the start of Hanukkah and Christmas arriving soon, White Sox general manager Rick Hahn delivered a much-needed gift to White Sox fans, as according to ESPN's Jeff Passan, the White Sox are signing left-handed starting pitcher Dallas Keuchel to a three-year, $55 million deal that could become a four-year, $74 million deal if Keuchel pitches at least 160 innings in both the 2021 and 2022 seasons. If he does... His contract will become the largest in franchise history, being $1 million more than Yasmani Grandel's signing in November when he signed for four years, $73 million. After missing out on Zach Wheeler, who signed with the Philadelphia Phillies, and the White Sox never really being in the race to sign Garrett Cole or Steven Strasburg, Keuchel is a nice consolation prize. After missing action until late June in 2019, as he waited for a team to sign him to a dollar amount he found acceptable. Keuchel made 19 starts for the Atlanta Braves in 2019, pitching 112 and two-thirds innings, and he had an ERA of 3.75. Using war, he had a 2.1 war on baseball reference, a 0.8 war on fan graphs, and a 1.9 warp on baseball prospectus. The reason Fangraphs wasn't the biggest Keuchel fan was his 4.72 FIP. Keuchel did make two starts against the St. Louis Cardinals in the National League Divisional Series. He pitched Game 1 in which he didn't strike out any hitters and he walked three batters at four two-thirds innings, but he only gave up one run. 
In Game 4, Keiko allowed three solo home runs in three and a third innings as the Cardinals won both Games 1 and 4 to win the series against Atlanta. In 2015, when Keiko won the American League Cy Young Award, he struck out 216 batters in 232 innings, which are both career highs. And it's the only time that Keiko has struck out more than 200 batters in his career and he's only struck out 150-plus batters one other time in 2018 in his last season with the Houston Astros. While more teams in baseball are trying to focus on pitchers who miss bats, hence why Cole, Strasburg, and in some ways Wheeler got the contracts they did, was for that skill. Keuchel goes against the grain as he focuses more on generating weak contact. So what are the White Sox getting? The White Sox are getting a starting pitcher that has a career 58.9% ground ball rate. And for Keuchel, that ground ball rate was at 60% in 2019. That's going to be music to the White Sox ears because playing in a stadium like Guaranteed Rate Field, you want the ball on the ground. And if the bouncy ball is going to be in play still in 2020, having someone that could help reduce home runs given up would go a long way for the White Sox as they still had a pretty significant home run differential in the negative after the 2019 season. Again, the White Sox had a home run problem last year that they still need to fix. It will require, though, that both Yoan Mercado and Tim Anderson improve defensively. Keiko's most used pitch is his sinker to generate those ground balls, followed up by his changeup, which was... A pitch that was getting much better during the course of the 2019 season if you check out his numbers on Baseball Savant. Now, back to Mikata and Anderson's defense. Using Fangraph's defensive metric, which equates to fielding runs plus positional adjustment, Mikata did have the fourth best defensive season in baseball at third base in 2019 behind Matt Chapman, Nolan Arenado, and Kyle Seeger. Chapman and Arenado were at least twice as better. Chapman was almost three times better than Mikata defensively. But when it comes to Chapman and Arenado, they are both world-class at the position, and 2019 was Mikata's first year. So with Keuchel and now joining the White Sox during his starts, Mikata will have more opportunities in 2020 to showcase his defensive skills at third base. And who knows, maybe he could close the gap. But again, Chapman and Arenado are world-class defensively at third base. And it still wouldn't be fair to try to really compare Mikata's defensive abilities compared to those two. Now, Tim Anderson, on the other hand, was the worst defensive shortstop in baseball last season. And while Anderson has tremendous range and a very strong arm, we've seen the highlights from last year. We know that he can make terrific plays at the position. The problem for Anderson is is his lack of consistency on all plays. According to Inside Edge, which you can look these numbers up on Fangraphs.com, Inside Edge calculates the probability of ground balls that will turn into outs. So on ground balls that have an out probability of 90%, judging by launch angle, exit velocity, and where that grounder is hit on the field, that 90% of the time that hitter will be thrown out. Tim Anderson converted those outs 95.2% of the time, which you would think, hey, that's a pretty high number, but it was the worst at baseball. For comparison's sake, Javier Baez for the Chicago Cubs 
converted those grounders to outs 98.3% of the time. Francisco Lindor was 98.5% of the time. Both are in the top five in the league. And the best in baseball was Freddie Galvis as he converted those grounders into outs 99.7% of the time, which is an incredible high rate. And on grounders, I had a 50% out probability, so 50-50 plays. Anderson only converted those into outs 41.2% of the time. So hitters were far more likely to reach first base on a grounder with just an out probability of 50%. Meanwhile, Lindor led the league turning those into outs 78.6% of the time followed by Colorado's Trevor Story at 71.4% and Javier Baez at 70%. So a significant gap between Anderson and the league leaders. We know that defense is Anderson's weakness. Thankfully, he is a good hitter that led the league at batting average in 2019 while flexing for power at the shortstop position. But if he does not improve his consistency at the shortstop position... Now, during Keuchel starts, it will become much more noticeable of Anderson's defensive shortcomings, and it will become a very popular talking point during the 2020 season. The White Sox need Anderson to be much better defensively overall, but especially during Keuchel starts because he will be getting more opportunities. Now, back to the starting rotation. With the signing of Dallas Keuchel, I see manager Rick Renteria penciling in his starting rotation in the following format. Number one, getting the ball most likely on opening day would be Lucas Giolito, followed by Dallas Keuchel, then Gio Gonzalez, Reynaldo Lopez, and Dylan Cease. Again, this would just be the order to start the season. I'm not suggesting that Gio Gonzalez is a number three starter, or even Dallas Keuchel is a number two starter. We'll save that conversation for a future podcast episode when we just when we talk about pitchers who are quote-unquote number one or number two or number three or number four, number five starters based on quality. I do want to bring out my soapbox. You can build a starting rotation with five number one starters. And if one of those aces is the fifth guy in the rotation, does not make them a number five starter by any stretch of the imagination. And you could have five number five starters in your rotation And the guy that you have pitched first does not mean that they are an ace, okay? We're usually equating to number two or number three starters to a specific value point, like using wins above replacement to make that determination. So I'm not suggesting that Gio Gonzalez is a number three quality starter for the White Sox. Perhaps Gonzalez and Lopez, though, in this scenario would flip so Lopez would get the ball in the third game of the season, then Gonzalez would follow Lopez to break up Lopez and Cease instead of having those two go back-to-back days. But the White Sox have some starting pitching depth now with Michael Kopech waiting in the wings, recovering from Tommy John surgery. Yes, the White Sox did bring back Ross Detweiler as he'll be pitching mostly in Charlotte if everything works out, but you can use him in a pinch on double headers or if someone needs to go on the injured list for a couple weeks, he could make a couple spot starts. It will be pretty, but you could at least take the ball. And then Carlos Rodon will be ready to pitch in late June or early July. So again, the White Sox starting pitching staff 
actually has depth. So good job for Rick Hahn to address a sorely needed team need for the Chicago White Sox roster as the pitching depth after the season looked uh, pretty scary. With Keiko Gonzalez in the fold, they will not have to be dependent on Michael Kopech to be 100% ready in spring training, though I think he will be, and it will make spring training conversations fun because, again, Lopez, Cease, and Kopech, with me thinking that Kopech is going to be ready, that's two starting spots for three young starting pitchers, and we'll see who earns those two spots based on the performance during spring training. Another storyline to look forward to come late February, early March when they start playing spring training games. With Keuchel signing, the White Sox payroll, I estimate, is around $105 million. So while this has been a very active offseason for the White Sox in signing Grandal and signing a new contract to Jose Abreu and then Keuchel and Gonzalez and trading for Nomar Mazzara, if Rick Hahn wants to make another key addition... He still has some payroll budget left to do so. Which ways could the White Sox go in continuing to build the 2020 roster? And is the rebuild officially over? Well, we're going to take a quick break with the word from our sponsor, but Jim Margulis joins me next via phone to discuss those topics on the Sox Machine Podcast. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. With the news of Dallas Keuchel signing coming out of the weekend before Christmas and kicking off Hanukkah is not ideal for bloggers and podcasters as we prepare and travel for the holidays. But joining me now via phone after hearing the news, landing in Chicago is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast, it's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim, Rick Hahn, and the White Sox finally made a pretty big signing with a Scott Boris client. Yes, it's uh, maybe not the Scott Boris client some people wanted all along, but it's a pretty good one. Uh, I guess if you don't call it, account uh, Austin Jackson, Andrew Jones, and other lesser signings, or Carlos Rodon as a draft pick, Keuchel is the first one who requires a significant outlay and commitment of years and a, a fairly... Uh, competitive market for services and the White Sox won. So, you know, I'm not sure going forward whether the Scott Boris thing is still there, whether it's something to consider when when crossing people off lists or trying to rank players in terms of how likely they are to join the White Sox, but it breaks the ice to some extent. What do you like about this signing of Dallas Keuchel to the White Sox, Jim? Well, I like that uh, when teamed up with the Gio Gonzalez signing, it basically means that Dylan Covey should not be in any depth chart whatsoever for the starting rotation, which, you know, I kind of feel bad for how big of a target Covey is among fans and writers and such. But, you know, it's not his fault. It's just the way the White Sox have failed to accumulate enough depth to where uh, the season rolls around. He's always somebody who they need starts from. And with uh, Gonzalez and now Keuchel, Seems like he should be out of it. So that's good. The other thing I like, and I wrote about this a little bit, is that 
when you look at where he slots into a rotation, it's, you know, it, he might not be a uh, a lock for like a number two starter. You want to say young, but that might, that level might be behind him. But he looks like a solid number three. He looks like a, uh, a comfortable number three, uh, where if you put like, say, Kopech comes back and is everything you think he will be in his first full season, great. Gilito, Kopech, Keuchel. That, that's, that's a great top three. If it's Gilito, Keuchel, Kopech, Lopez, yeah, then, then that's a little bit murky. So I'm really hoping that somebody else steps up and and uh, knocks him down just because, you know, when it comes to the way Keuchel throws and how much he needs his defense and the White Sox uh, right now is their deficiencies with defense, I wouldn't want to put uh, all the expectations on him to be what he was in Houston. I think uh, there's a little bit of ground for him to give and still be a very, uh, very productive starter who really gives the White Sox what they need. Yeah, I touched on as far as the defense, especially with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson needs to be better defensively at shortstop for the White Sox, especially during Dallas Keuchel's starts. Uh, but, I, you know, you mentioned as far as the number three starter, I just chimed in on about that before the break because there's a lot of people because I've been listing what the starting rotation looks like on Twitter and everyone's kind of up in the arms like, Gio Gonzalez is not a number three starter. No, I'm not saying that he's a number three starter. I'm just saying that if Renteria is penciling in his starting rotation, he's going to be listed third or fourth in the starting rotation. But, you know, with Keuchel, I, I think he is still a two to three war starting pitcher, which then I agree with you, Jim, that I, I would equate that to a number three starter. And I also do agree with you that Michael Kopech and I still believe in Dylan Cease and Ronaldo Lopez, they have the ability to be three plus war starting pitchers, which if Lucas Giolito could duplicate his 2019, I, I'm right with you. That slots in very nicely behind Lucas Giolito on the depth chart. And then just the way that the seasons unfold, if you have Cease and Kopech pitch as the fourth or fifth starter, right, to begin the year, you're going to have a lot of series in which they're going to start the series. And then Giolito's pitching that second game, and Keiko's pitching that third game that series. And I feel a lot more comfortable with that scenario than what we've seen in the last seven years of the the White Sox. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, assuming he's fully healthy, and, and the nice thing about the Keiko signing is that. Uh, when he's missed start, it's it's not been arm related, it's not been elbow or shoulder or anything like that. I think it was a pinched nerve in his neck that has been the biggest thing to bother him, and that's just something that comes up and eventually goes away and hasn't proven to be uh, anything chronic or uh, that you have to, you know, like kind of like a, a Gio Gonzalez where he had the shoulder fatigue or like Miguel Gonzalez with shoulder fatigue where he had to say like he's going to miss a month with Keuchel. You can't really say that he might, but not for anything we really know at this point. So. Uh, he's got the durability on his side, and it's just—it's really about respectability at this point. Uh, as I guess, as low as a bar that sets, the White Sox have come up short, especially last year when they got Ross Detweiler from independent ball, and all of a sudden needed him to start games. Uh, same thing with you know always coming back to Covey and and such. And I think with uh, you know with Keuchel, that that basically ends. The constant scrambling and searching, whether they have the whether the White Sox front office has gotten past their issues in identifying productive pro talent, that that remains to be seen, and that's a little bit of the risk when the, the farm system has as weak a year as it did when it comes to depth, and you need to go outside the organization and sign guys to be immediately productive. We'll see if the White Sox can do that, but. Uh, there's no reason why Grandal shouldn't be good. There's no reason why Keuchel shouldn't be good enough. Um, 
So you see, look at those two signings. Mazzara, I think, is maybe a bridge too far when it comes to expecting good things. There's a chance it could break out. I don't mind it, but uh, you know, putting your eggs in that basket, a little bit risky. But you know, when you look at the way the offseason targets were and how they needed uh, a right fielder, a DH, they needed a couple starters, could use some bullpen help. I mean, they've gotten the big stuff done. DH is a little bit of a mess, but at least with Mazzara there, it frees up some platooning for DH to you know make that more productive than it was last year. But I think really what it comes down to with the rest of the winter, uh, Rick Hahn can sit back a little bit and wait for guys to slip through the cracks, guys who, at least in the last few winters, the bat-first guys who just, uh, whatever reason, can't find a home and the White Sox just need a bat, uh, maybe they can make something work and for maybe less than initially figured at the start of the winter. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that because before the break, I did say that I, I'm estimating that the current payroll to be around $105 million right now for the White Sox after signing Dallas Keuchel. If we believe that Rick Hahn's payroll budget is around $120 million, which, number one, we don't know for sure, so we're not saying it is. We believe. Number two, that is the number that everybody worked with during the Sox Machine offseason plan project in October and early November. But let's say if it is $120 million and he's got $15 more million to spend if he wants to, Han does have the room to add a player or two. And you mentioned that the White Sox can now afford to be a little bit patient and go after a big bat uh, that, that is still lingering in the free agent market. Are there any specific hitters that you're thinking of, Jim, that could fit White Sox needs offensively? Well, I think it depends with the... Uh, you know, Ozuna, Castellanos market, see how that shakes out. I think they're going to be, you know, premium talent. It's taken a bit longer for them to find a home, but at least, you know, that's kind of thing where see what their market looks like, see how much of their price is dropping, see how much of their interest from other teams is overstated. And if it somehow looks good, maybe you want to get in on that. There's also like Edwin Encarnacion, if you can get him for a year or somebody along that line. I'm, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of like Nelson Cruz, um, you know, they're that kind of hitter who is very specific in use. You know, you need an American League team to use him. Uh, he's on the older side, so you really want to be, you know, guarding against a sudden decline. But if you have the at-bats and nobody immediate is a better use of those at-bats, uh, it, it's the best-case scenario. So I think something along those lines. I'd, I'd be worried, I guess, when it comes to the White Sox a little bit in terms of, I, I guess, uh you know, really having a logjam at first base DH guys who can't, you know, be used anywhere else around the diamond. But I think at that point, if, you know, you get to the end of the winter and, uh, you know, there's no, you know, like jo- the Jock Peterson trade, the perfect fit for right field that moves Mazzara to DH, that isn't going to happen. Uh, then I think you can, you know, for one year, you can look at just the bat guys and count on somebody being hurt or at some point or, Count on somebody not quite clicking and just having the extra body there and the extra line of defense, even if they don't play defense, I, I think that helps. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, they can add another bullpen arm, too. They can use some strikeouts or somebody who intrigues them. And uh, there are other ways to go. And I, I think they can do more than $120 million, But as I wrote about, I, I think the White Sox right now with the young talent they have and how volatile it can be and, uh, the amount of development they need to do, and like when it comes to drawing walks versus striking out and playing, you know, a good team defense, and we'll see what Grandal's framing numbers do for uh, some White Sox pitchers. I, you know, maybe for Wheeler they would have done it, but I think at this point I'm counting on the White Sox 
kind of taking a multi-winter approach, or at least a multi-acquisition period approach. So that counts the, uh, you know, this winter, the trade deadline, the winter afterwards, where they uh, see how much of their internal growth will solve some of their problems, and then you know, I, I guess address those issues when they can, you know, next time windows open to acquire guys. Well, Edwin Encarnacion is still a name that I'm paying attention to. I, I, he just lost his father. So he's currently grieving right now and, and dealing with family matters. And it sounds like it may be a couple of weeks before he decides to sign with any other teams. And I know that you have a concern though, Jim, as far as having too many players that are, the same type of hitters, but with Encarnacion, if you've gone this far in this offseason and signing Esmonte Grandal and bringing in Dallas Keuchel and trading for Mazzara and signing Gio Gonzalez to help short the back end of the starting rotation, I still think the White Sox have a home run problem. Mm-hmm. And I trust Encarnacion to hit 30-plus home runs a lot more than Mazzara or even Zach Collins or anyone else that you want to think of. Uh, for those that are listening to to help fill in that DH, I would not have a problem if the White Sox gave Encarnacion $10 million and say, we need you to be the DH 120 times in the 2020 season. Please come and hit 30, 35 home runs for us. I feel more confident that he can do that and provide that much-needed power source than what the White Sox currently have on hand. Yeah, I guess with that, I, I feel more comfortable with the order they're going about it. Like I'm thinking of previous winters when they signed Adam LaRoche as one of their first items of business. And then when they Got traded it, yeah. for Yonder Alonso as their first item of business, where they just like clogged up the DH immediately yep. and uh, didn't allow them, you know, the roster, any flexibility to eventually push guy to a DH or have a rotating system if they ended up having a better deal elsewhere. But like in this way, this offseason's rolling out. You know, they have uh, a better right fielder, even if he's maybe not a good right fielder. They have the pitchers. They have Grandal. So it's like now they can get that bat-only guy. So if it happens to be Encarnacion when uh, when everything shakes out and and the the better players' values are established and, and maybe uh, teams drop out because they sign those guys or because they traded for others and and a guy like Encarnacion is just sitting there. He can only play DH, but he's a bat the White Sox don't have. Great. Sign him up. Yeah, and we saw the impact that Nelson Cruz had with the Minnesota Twins last year, so that's also yeah. influencing my thinking. As we're recording this, it's being widely reported that Travis Shaw has signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, so this offseason hmm. just continues to go at an incredibly fast pace uh, compared to last year. I do not know what we're going to be talking about in late January or who's even going to be available, Jim, uh, in free agency with with how things, how quickly things are moving. But again, Encarnacion, he just recently lost his father. He's currently grieving. We'll see how that market plays out in the next couple of weeks, especially with the holidays rolling up. Who knows? Maybe GMs and players and agents are still going to work through Hanukkah and Christmas and perhaps even through the ball drop during New Year's Eve. But I think with the White Sox signing Dallas Keuchel, there is also – another added benefit to weigh and that is the impact on the Minnesota Twins they are now Hinjin Ryu or bust as they are still looking for starting pitching help I still think they have a strong front three with Jose Barrios Jake Odorizzi and Michael Pineda but they still have two starting pitching spots that they gotta fill out uh, and with Cleveland wanting the final best offers for Francisco Lindor this weekend, and who knows, maybe we'll get news that Lindor gets dealt this upcoming week. 
if there is a an offer that Cleveland could not refuse. With now signing Keuchel, are the White Sox, Jim, a team that both Minnesota and Cleveland have to consider as a serious threat in the American League Central? Maybe not like a threat, but they're respectable. Uh, they have to be acknowledged. Um, you know, the White Sox have put themselves in a position where if everything, or at least like most things, go right, you know, they could win upper 80s and, and you know, I think maybe 90 wins right now as presently constructed, unless we find out that really the White Sox are, had something uh, uh, beautiful on Mazzara all along and it all comes out in, in a 35-homer uh, or 900 OPS season. Right now, the way the offense constructed and defense so forth, like it seems like it's still they're going to they're gonna hamper themselves somehow to keep from really busting through the upper echelon. But they are there as a team where if Cleveland decides to really just pack it in and trade their best guys and focus more on 2022 uh, – and, and the Twins, I, I guess the, the incredible fortune, uh, or you know, whatever you want to call it, with the free agents they had last year, if their conversion rate, their hit rate, success rate, whatever, uh, you know, doesn't come close to matching that this time around, and, and they fall to the high 80s, then they're there. And, and maybe you know that's when you can think about adding at the deadline or... Uh, somehow getting, you know, maybe the farm system bounces back and there there are some in-house additions to add in the second half of the season, but they're putting themselves in a position where they can either they can sneak up on a team or uh, just be there for in case disaster strikes. That's the way the Twins position themselves. They added a lot. I don't think they counted on winning 100 games, but they were thinking about like 90 games, and if the Indians, who weren't looking like they were going to add if they slipped up, maybe the Twins could surpass them. It turns out the Indians weren't terrible, but the Twins were just way better. I'm not sure the White Sox have that kind of ceiling in them yet, but uh, they're in a position at least to where if disaster strikes, we won't be like bemoaning the fact that the White Sox did nothing to get in on what looked like a very gettable central. After the Keiko signing, can we now finally say, Jim, on December 22nd, 2019, that the rebuild is over, and White Sox fans can now shift their focus from watching prospects grow to the team playing winning baseball. I yeah, I say it's, I'd say so. I think you could probably say it when they uh, signed Grandal just because of a 31 year old catcher. You know, investing four years in a record amount in a 31 year old catcher and doing nothing else would make zero sense. So had a sense that they're going to add. Just you know, came down to whether they actually could sell it player on this team and you know, didn't work with Wheeler and didn't work with Jordan Lyles, but Gonzalez and Keuchel are good. You know, it, it's a good combo, good for what they need. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, this is kind of signing these guys this year and building a team like they are this year makes it harder for them to miss out on the Wheelers in the future, you know, missing on their number one targets in the future, because now I think, Players see them as oh they're not uh, they're not dicking around anymore they're actually signing guys I know guys I com- I compete with guys I know are tough to beat and I want to get in on that uh, as well. Well, again, it's been seven straight losing seasons for the Chicago White Sox. This is the third worst stretch in their 120 year history. Rick Hahn did say the money will be spent, and after signing Grandal and Keuchel, it has been. So the off season is not done though. We'll continue to update you guys on SoxMachine.com with the latest signings and possible rumors. But that will do it for this emergency podcast. Jim, thank you so much for calling in. Again, this is not the ideal time to break news 
uh, with everybody and traveling and preparing for the holidays. But I hope you and your family have a great holiday. Yeah, uh, you the same likewise. Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to everybody out there and Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Uh, if you don't celebrate, uh, just enjoy the days off. Yes, and we will be back next Monday with a new Sox Machine podcast, so we'll see on how everything shakes out. Again, if there is a Francisco Lindor trade, if there's another major signing that happens throughout the American League, if the White Sox make another signing, we'll cover that news in next week's podcast. But that will do it for this emergency podcast. To you, our fans listeners, we hope that you guys have a great holiday, and you can please follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore josh and you can subscribe to the podcast via apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, stitcher and audioboom.com slash socks machine the socks machine podcast is a production of socksmachine.com your home for all things chicago white Sox baseball alongside jim margulis i'm josh nelson thanks for listening When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet essentials. One device included.